bunch of cats fighting outside. Hey! Knock it off. by Matt Brown. What's your full name? Matthew? Hello, champions. You're listening to the first episode of the Be Brave Bold Robot audio program. I've chosen that name because it acronyms out to BBB Rap. Kind of like that. Rap. I remember a Mr. Show episode where that was spelled out as the way you spell out a fart noise. And that's kind of funny. Brap. Um, it's approximately May 2017. I don't even know if that's wise to say what time of year or what year it is because you never know when people are going to listen to these sorts of things, these audio programs. But I guess I have to tell you that to give you context for this interview with Matt Brown that is the, the first episode here. Um, I'm making this audio program initially here in May 2017-ish to uh, put on the KUTZ Cuts Low Power FM radio station that's actually broadcasting on my roof, funnily enough. I'm Dean Hawkinson. I engineered the whole thing. So that's radio credits of a singular nature. Matt Brown is playing the piano you're hearing in the background, which uh, should impress you. Pretty cool, just completely improvised piano. I like Matt Brown. I met him initially some years ago when he was doing a mural that still exists currently in May 2017 at the corner of 8th and K. There's a pit in the ground that uh, I think with the catalyst development that is the downtown arena that's been built recently, that pit might get filled in sometime soon. Let's hope. Let's get some density, some residential density in the downtown Sacramento, please. Um, but for the time being, the pit exists, the art exists. Go to 8th and K, and on the uh, east side of 8th, starting at K and running south, is a mural that Matt Brown did with Jason Bovia of Cityscape and the uh, Regional Transit Light Rail Company's logo is kind of worked in there. Smack, Sacramento Metropolitan Arts Commission paid some people to put some art on there. And uh, Matt Brown got m matched up with Jason Bovey. I think that's when they met for the first time as well. But I definitely associate Jason Bovey with Matt Brown. I like Matt Brown. He's got a skeptical nature. He's a younger man that's just out having adventures. And he's pretty honest. And uh, he's who I would call a creative. And with a personality that's one that I can appreciate. Kind of skeptical. A little, a little negative, but that's part of skepticism. That's part of reality, to be frank. We're Dean, which is who I am. Who likes Matt Brown? This is an interview. Did I say that's Matt Brown playing piano? I did. Be Brave, Bold Robot audio program number one underway. Lip a blab. And maybe interrupting, and maybe sometimes, sadly, waiting to talk. Well, I've gotten very used to that. Listening. Oh, do you feel as though I'm a little... No. Distant no, not or from you. Is it the perfect amount of warmth and talking over? Yeah, you? and kind of a little bit of fear. A little bit of fear. Because you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. But yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety is a heck of a thing. It's interesting to know now that all of our interactions are tinged with you. Well, you're thinking. a tall dude, too. Yeah. And that's immediately, that strikes. So you're fearful, not me. Yeah. You're sensing yeah, fear. Yeah. You're not sensing yeah, fear yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay, good. Nobody can help that. If somebody's tall and you're around him, <laughs> biologically, we're like, oh, shit, this guy's kind of tall. Is he going to beat me up? And especially if you can be like a very, not aggressive, but kind of a confident human, being tall, people will just give whatever they want. Yeah. We're programmed that way because they could reach the fruits on the trees higher up so they get higher job positions they get usually not in every case but yeah like look at this big person who's right. obviously he, eating a lot of fruit <laughs> very confident more money. let's hope he gives us the fruit 
I want to live in an egalitarian society, so I'll take advantage of that. Yeah. But I hope that that's waning. I think it is. I, you know, some people are more self-aware than others, so. Yeah. Interesting. Some people I watch that will stand with their mouths open for hours on end. Were they just taking in the street scenery? I was just walking around with not even aware that, oh, my mouth's wide open and I'm just in my car or, yeah. That's what we call them. A mouth breathing. My uncle the called them the, the Morlocks. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, in, uh, from uh, the H.G. Uh, Wells, H.G. Time, Wells machine. time Machine. He was a very bitter old man, though. What were the What were the Utopian Society characters? I don't remember. Morlocks and the e- Igloos? The emus. Anyway. Is this interview started? It went boring. This is going Okay, great. all right. We're we should... recording. Let's all see. Right. <clears throat> Are these mics turned up loud enough? Probably good enough. Hello. I'm watching I think it's mine. good so we can get loud. Okay. But uh, but uh, let me ask you first. So you were born in Sacramento? I was born in the Sutter Hospital on um, in East Sac, I think. And the song that came on in the car was uh, a song from a movie about running. Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire Fire. was on as I was going to the hospital to be born. As your mom was breaching you, she was dilating. And the cab driver couldn't stop laughing, apparently. (laughs) That's the the slow motion scene. Right. So it's all slow-mo. And you came out. You're you're famously known for your head. Your you head came out sideways with just your. I came ear out, out upside just down. Your ear out. Oh, yeah, did? totally really? upside down. Breach baby. Is I was right? breached. Yeah, oh. and they had to cut, cut open to get to oh. get me out. It a wasn't a normal yeah. section. Yeah, and that was confusing huh. to the doctors, I guess. Yikes! At the time, they had never done one before. You're pretty old. <laughs> you just stutter. turned 29 the other day. I did. That was yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday time. It's a better it's birthday than, than the previous ones. Ugh. What was so bad? What was the worst birthday you ever had? You know, they've all been pretty bad. Huh. You expect something growing up and you don't get it and you're like, <laughs> or this is totally different, you know? And that's like a, you know, rich white kids way of looking at it. Like, I didn't get this, but yeah, I didn't like people either. And I always had these big parties. Huh. You know, Who and all these the kids. Part? Your mom would yeah, invite a bunch they, of strangers. Yeah, over? strangers and <laughs> to like rock climbing or stuff I would never do. I was like, all right, birthday. Well, so your parents would book like a rock climbing wall type thing for you and, and all your what they thought were your friends. Yeah, kids, from whole school. class. Yeah, they had no idea like what to do with me at all growing up because I was just so weird. You How know? the heck did she even know to invite those kids? Just the whole class. She just went to your class and said, uh, "Go, go sit in your seat, Maddie." And then, and then went up to the teacher. Listen, I want to invite all of these damn kids to my party. Something like that. It was a the teacher sent the invite it, out. It was You're uh, like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's that school called right next to the hospital? Saint something. Uh, uh, That's where I went to school. Uh, Sacred what? Heart. Oh, I know. I'm familiar. Very close knit, like little community. You know? Elementary. That was a K to six school yeah. at the time. Curriculum. It wasn't a bad school when I was there. Was oh, that's fine. nice. Yeah. Okay, so you did grow up here. So when did you? Uh, when was your first uh, uh, thoughts that we that you were an artsy type of person? Which you are. Let's establish that you're an artsy type person. I do. I I don't like the word art anymore. Yeah, it's kind of got a negative tinge to it Uh-oh. for me dealing with other artists. But, you know, I'm really creative. My grandma was a calligrapher at St. Francis for a long time. And she taught a lot of art classes there. And when I was five, she kind of selected me out from the other kids and started teaching me like all of these artistic, weird stuff that like is not normal thinking about it now, but you're like, oh, wow, that was really cool. I got like a whole lesson growing up. Yeah. Like, every day, you know? Oh, she doted on you. That's she, yeah. a good grandma. That's neat. Yeah. And the, the rest of the relatives like despising me because she was spending more time with me than the rest of them, or she'd get me like nicer stuff, you know, growing up. And, um, and she died. And then they dedicated the art building at St. Francis after her. Huh. 
What was their name? Henriette Dalietto. So they built this new art complex in her name, which was really cool. Huh. And I was like, oh, maybe she was good. Huh. You know? Henrietta Dalietto. Dang. Cool name. So what's that heritage? Dalietto? You got some uh, Bel- Belgis and Belgium and Italian, from what uh, I heard. Okay. On your... Uh, mother's side. Mother's side. Dad's side's the brown. That's like as m- the most convoluted, you know, Mutt. mixed together. European. Everything. Huh. huh. I think I heard we were on the Mayflower when it came over. Yeah. What? That's cool. You can trace that lineage back the to brown, the There's a brown on the can. Mayflower. That makes sense. Pretty common name. Right. Well, now. So, you know, like a, uh, a Cooper is a person who makes barrels. Is that right? And then you got right uh, in the shoesmith, blacksmith. It's, these are last names. So Brown was it the person who cleaned up the poop? Oh, terrible burn! I apologize. That wasn't meant yeah, to. We bring had it at brown all. eyes and brown hair. Seem interesting. That's why it was named Brown. Oh, okay. That was it, huh? Um. So let's. Uh, <clears throat> I guess chronologically, if I'm to be a good interviewer, I have to ask you about things in your life. Also, though, you would have wanted me to interview you just so you could get some stories onto some. Yeah, I'm starting. I'm not forgetting stuff, but I'm worried that I will when I'm older and I'll be like, I'll phrase up like a whole thing in like two words, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, I won't remember the cool details that make the story interesting. Yeah, I was on the Titanic. Yeah, I I drove a truck for 20 years and nothing happened. Give me a coffee. Yeah. Um. There was one story I remember you telling me about your friend out of high school, and you had written a screenplay. He, all right, so he was a lot older than me, and Mm. he was dating my cousin, and he came over to my house, and that's how I met him, because my cousin was living at my parents' house. And I was like, oh, you know, this guy's kind of interesting and i had never really met anybody and you know he was like having me look up how to build a pirate ship on Folsom Lake so he could live on it and pillage he was into like a famous band and they struck it big and then Ghost of the Robot actually Ghost of the Robot this guy was in it yeah and and they your friend he was he was young he was like 19 probably and he was super successful in that and he had a bunch of money, and he was just cool, you know? Huh. So I eventually befriended him, and that led to a whole bunch of crazy shit for the next five years. Oh, try not to cuss. Crazy in the next five years. I'll bleep it. Mm, okay. So you know what? The time- I lived, I, I ended up moving out to the ranch with him, which is where he was living huh. with his mom. And that place was built on a... Uh, Indian burial ground. Pirate. This is out in Elk Grove in uh, Hood, Franklin, Cortland area. Huh. So right next to the skating rink in Cortland. It was a wine vineyard. Huh. And uh, Sutter Homes owned it, I think. And so at this point, you're like 20 years old? I was like 16 or oh, 17. Oh, you're 16 yeah. he's 19. 20. Yeah, he was five yeah. years older than me. Okay. Yeah, and so we lived out there, and that was cool because it's like, oh, I'm not at my parents' house anymore, and nobody's telling me, you know, I was just, I was super independent, and um, we we built up an entertainment company over that time, and ended up writing a script that was induced by a lot of marijuana, not on my end, but. <laughs> And it the script was that he was entertainment gonna, company. What does that mean? You actually made money. Produ- we didn't make any money. Things? It was a big fake company made uh, to sell this script. So we'd make all these other little fake projects to make it look like we were doing like big things, right? Uh, it was a big charade. Yeah. And it ended up working to the point where we were able to like meet with Natalie Portman's production agency, Matthew McConaughey, huh. all these different people. What and. I, I just remember we the less the information we gave them, the better, because they assumed our website was made to look like we were doing a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. And these were their their agents, their talent agents that you were contacting? Natalie talent and agents and, and production companies. So. Oh, those does every single celebrity in Hollywood have their own production company I think company they do now. Something yeah. Like that? Okay. Yeah, like his was that like... That makes sense. You got some money, I'll get a company yeah, yeah. so I can make projects on my own or produce projects on your own, probably. Uh, y- yeah. Or just like fun little movies and stuff that yeah. your friends want to make. Get production credit. And, huh. <clears throat> and then... uh you shopped it around. How did you first solicit somebody 
in say it sounds like Hollywood or something. Uh, we just went script. on IMDb Pro and we just emailed them back and forth. Huh. Because they have all the contact information and faxing them scripts. I was faxing out a lot of scripts unsolicited. Yeah. Um, okay. And the uh, the uh, what was the screenplay about? You're you're 17 and he's 21 and you're yeah. Heads. It was about five guys who tried to save the world from themselves. Try to save everyone from themselves. And in the end, it was this guy who actually ended up being the second coming of Christ, which he was going to play and. Uh-huh. It was good. It was called. Why were they trying to save the U.S. from themselves? Because they heard a prophecy that said, "You are the one who will damage the world." Uh, nothing even that intense. It was more like it was about everything that controls the different parts of the world, and it was about like drugs and religion and politics, all these different mediums that are used to control people. Yeah. And so it was about bringing people into self-awareness and self-enlightenment and that in a kind of a, a funny way, like surreal, but not really, you know, they think they're doing stuff and they're not. So that never got made. It's no. not even a good script. I, you know, I'd have to read it. I haven't read it in years. I, people that have read it were like, oh, wow, this is really good. I haven't read it in like 10 years, probably 12 years. So I don't know if I read it now, if I'd be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. But we got $2 million for it. What? From a guy that owns a casino in Tahoe, which I'm not going to say the name. Okay. Handed you to $2 million in your production company. Did you incorporate the production company? Like get corporation? We didn't even uh, have a business license. Corporate? Nothing. We didn't have a business okay. license. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, man, this is great. And the budget was $11 million, So I went through and budgeted the whole thing. Hmm. And so we got two, and then we were trying to sell more, get more for it. And that's why we started hitting up these production companies. And then uh, he got in a car accident, and his girlfriend died. And it was a DUI thing. And uh, that really sucked, like, for him. I felt yeah. bad for him, everybody. And uh, then he he went to prison for a while. And I never talked to him. Wow. What happened to that two mil? Did the guy, the guy, no, the guy was like, washed his hands clean the whole thing after that. Uh, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Who? The the guy that gave the money? Yeah. But did he get the money back? Yeah. Or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, no, okay. It, was all, it was on promise. It wasn't like it was just Oh, like he didn't cash. hand you yeah. to you yet. It was just a, yeah, it was like, it was like if you get together a budget. Yeah. Okay, that's how that works. Yeah. I, I don't think they had anybody Is there a like word that. for that in uh, movie production? Yellow lighting or something? Yellow. You're yeah. yellow lighted, not green lighted. That's when the money comes out of the pocket. I see. Hey. Yep. All right. So that's when you were from 16 to... <laughs> you were about 19? 19. Something like that. Lived oh. in L. Yeah. Well, that was when I was living in L.A. too. That whole thing was going down. Oh, really? You moved down to L.A. from the ranch at like yeah. 17, 17 yeah. or something? Yeah. That's interesting. How was... Did you uh, sign to get emancipated from your parents? No. Did you have no, to do that? It didn't like matter. That. Yeah, I was... Do people only do that when they are having, you know, kind of... When they want to do their them. own rights and stuff, yeah, they'll get emancipated. Yeah. I, you know, my parents are fine. Do you have any siblings? No. Was there... Is there a story you want to say now? I have one... I have one other story I remember you talking about. Uh, I'll yeah, ask you to keep, about. keep asking. There questions. was one... You were telling me a story about a, uh, a gangster, some younger... Some younger uh, uh, member of... Of some sort of... Ma, uh, the Gambino crime family. Cosa Nostra. Yeah. Uh, so the Gambino crime family... What? When were you? So I... When I lived, moved to LA, it was in an apartment complex... Uh, with my friend and it was I, I soon found out it was a drug and prostitution ring for Beverly Hills so I was in the middle of Beverly Hills and this guy was selling drugs to you know uh, Rob Williams Shia LaBeouf like huh. I lived across from the guy in Maroon 5 who he, who he Adams, let live there yeah who he let live there and Girls in the elevator were like, oh, you smell really good, you know? And I was like, I'm like 18 with acne. Yeah, and they were like, <laughs> I didn't know what a hooker was. And every apartment I went into was like people cooking crystals in the oven, you know, around the stove. And I didn't know what that was. I was like, oh, weird. They like candy a lot out here. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> this is weird. It's white chocolate. Yeah, they're like they taped the security camera to the door, and my friend would fall asleep like with a mountain of cocaine on the table, and Ugh. just wake up and watch the camera and go back to sleep, you know, for like days on end. I'm He'd sleeping. Tell you on... to man the camera while he was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, can we watch something else? Like this is getting a little boring, you know. <laughs> He's like, listen, if I fall asleep, He's like, watch the camera. Yeah, like, don't talk. Like, Here's a gun. Did right. you know where the gun was? Right. I was, hand, I was handed guns. I remember near the end, they were hiding shotguns and Uzis into my furniture. And I found a shotgun in my couch one day. I sat down on it, and I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? You know? Just under the cushions? They didn't even try to hide under it Under the cushions. Well. <laughs> so that was, like, the place to go if shit went down, because nobody would know we'd be in there. And it did one day, and they handed me a 9-11. They, were, they sat me at the door, and they're like, if anyone comes in through the store, just shoot him in the chest three times. And I'm like, all right. So I sat there with this gun just waiting, you know? Ooh. Nobody came in or anything. <laughs> That's a movie scene. Yeah, I was just like Quiet, waiting. And I hear screaming outside, and they're just beating the shit out of this huge, like, buff guy. And they're like little, you know, skinny old white people. And they're just like hitting this guy. I remember he was crying and like crawling out. And they're like, we're going to fucking kill you if you come back. So, yeah, that was one one of the incidences. I have a lot more. He was like a really interesting guy because he was trying to get out supposedly of this life of crime. He like loved God and he's like hates himself for all the sinning that he did. Lots of lots of crazy crazy stuff being watched and wow, that is just the weirdest uh and I was dichotomy like he's just betraying every social contract that most peaceful people believe in. Betraying every single. I'm gonna, oh, I gotta kill you. Sorry, I gotta kill exactly. you. Exactly. You didn't give me the money. Yeah. Oh, but but oh, what is yeah. it? But this religion. Oh, yeah, 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 it feels yeah, so bad. Yeah, I'm yeah, crying. Yeah. Oh, what a psycho. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, man, one time I was at his house when I started to buddy up with him, and he had this mansion that he just bought, and he gave me Frank Sinatra's autographed prison thing when he first went to jail he had like this slip he gave it to me he's like i really want you to work for me like and live here full time and i'll cover your rent and everything don't worry about that he's like i can trust you i like you you know and i was like okay that sounds great and we went outside and some guy was peeing on somebody's car and he's like hey don't piss on that car he's like well you man this is at his mansion or at yeah this is at his his house and i was like oh you you know like i'll piss on whoever's car i want and he went and he got a shotgun and he came back outside with it and it's like i'm gonna f- blow you away you stupid mother f-. like don't you f- piss on my car until you know and the guy like immediately was like oh f-. like this is just some dude you know some hipstery dude uh, so crazy sh- like that that's this guy was like this was at the guy's house and there was somebody he had it he had an empty house that he just bought and, and, and it was in a suburban neighborhood enough to where some guys peeing think, on it. I think on it was on like, it was like some nice peeing. area. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so, you know, then he asked me to work for him and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I was like, this sounds so fine. Like, I'd love to do that. And what I'd, would you do? I'd, I would deliver drugs. I would hack people. I would like set up any, you know, watch, watch people. Yeah. Set people up. I uh, would uh, stake out. Stake out. He knew yeah. I wasn't really gonna like kill anybody or get violent or anything, Whoa. and he kind of liked me because I was just like this. And they kind of hid. Was his name? You know. Yeah. And uh, they tried to hide this stuff from me because they're like, "Oh, this kid's innocent. He's young. You know." Yeah. Yeah. Let's not get him too caught up. Yeah. Let's not get him too caught up. But yeah, at the same time, they're like, anybody. "Can you take this Altoids can down to the basement and give it to this guy?" Stuff like that. And he set what we fr- we were friends because he set up a sting with my car to get people out of the building. They broke in and they tried to steal all my shit. While they were doing that, he called the cops on them. So the cops came and arrested him mid break in. And he had like uh, uh, orchestrated that? He orchestrated this so oh, beautifully wow. that they stole a gun out of my car that I didn't even know was there. That had been used for a murder a week before. And he, this guy who robbed him, he put his fake gun in the car instead. So this guy was caught with a gun that was used for a murder. He got evicted. He got 
blame him for the murder, I'm sure, because he had this gun on him, and it's not going to be in my car, you know? Like, yeah. Some guy, he's like, not into that. And uh, he gave me six grand for that. <laughs> just, and you didn't even really have to do anything. I didn't, just, I didn't even know it was happening. You, yeah. I knew none of it happened Something until he told me it's after. very complex. It yeah. complex money. At that time, being involved in all this, having had a creative energy already, were you at the time just trying to survive as a twenty-year-old? No, it, it was 19, more like it was more like, oh, this is neat, you know. It was like this is experience. different. Yeah, this yeah. is like characters that I'm. It was cool. It was it wasn't boring on a day-to-day thing, you know. And you didn't really fear for your life too often. No, there were a couple times, but <laughs> I I was like ready to die. Not like in a depressing way, but like that's how committed I was. Yeah, and that 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 came from living at the ranch and stuff. It was just like a fight club out there, like every. That's what it was like a fight club kind of lifestyle, like in that movie. Yeah, what at this ranch with when you were sixteen, seventeen, in Elk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a whole nother world though. It was like. Huh. Where ro- did that come from? The guy that was in whatever band, Ghost in the Robot. Yeah, was yeah. He, he was just. It was just kind of like our violent dude. Our he he wasn't jail. even angry or violent. Well, he got to jail because he got a DUI for the car thing. You know, it wasn't like an act of violence. He crashed his car while he was drinking. Like, yeah, that was it. Um, but yeah, he wasn't like angry or violent. We were just kind of ready to give it all, or, all or nothing. You know, and nothing else going on. So dedication. Um, so then I moved downtown. Not making it in Hollywood. Yeah, I lived with my parents, cool. and after that, after so I left. He's like, work for me. I left that night. I threw my phone out the window. Yeah, and never looked back. Never talked to any of them again. Yeah, yeah. And so I, um, I went back to Sacramento and lived at my parents for a little bit, and then I got a job at an art store, huh. which was cool. And then I met this girl, who turned out sucking a lot now i have a super beautiful and completely amazing girlfriend and i love her I just went. You just went? How did you know it was free? Because you could stay at a monastery? I knew monks in West Sac. Okay. Through the guy I lived on the ranch with, who was childhood friends of these guys. And I had to hang out with him. I'd go over there all the time. And he's like, yeah, we're going to Sri Lanka. If you want to go, you just have to pay for the plane ticket. Huh. I was like, like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I do that, you know? So I worked all summer, saved up for it, and went. Yeah. And so Sri Sri Lanka, that is it a... um it, uh, it's it's its own government, it's its own sovereign nation, but it's close to India. Yeah, it shares a lot of Indian culture. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was very religious on Sri Lanka. They were India's all very, Buddhist. All Buddhist. Yeah, the Christians over there were like the rebels. They were like, screw this Buddhism right. stuff. Yeah, like you know. <laughs> yeah. Sunglasses, like smoking, maybe you know. Yeah. And the Buddhists was I think seventy or eighty percent of the population. That sounds nice. Buddhist people are... Well, the Buddha Buddha was from Sri Lanka, too. Oh. And I stayed at the oldest temple that was in Sri Lanka. Siddhartha? Siddhartha. Siddhartha. And they all, like, love him. When they talk about stuff, they talk about the Buddha. Because they don't really have, like, music or internet or anything. Was there some folk... folk uh, Buddhist music is kind of like chanting or some folks. Yeah, there's stuff. like the chants, and then there's like the Indian music kind of sounds like that in cars and stuff, but that was about it. It was like just a culture that had come out of a wasteland after the terrorists were there too. I, I visited it right after, and everybody was like, you know, huh. killed the whole vibe of the place, I guess. Oh, what terrorists were these? The Tamil Tigers. Oh, seven. That sounds about oh, right. How old are you? 29, uh, 17. Yeah, so I was uh, I was there, and I thought they were attacking, and I would, like, boil hot water one night, and I climbed up into the rafters, and I barricaded all my doors shut, and I was just waiting with this hot water, like, thinking people were going to break the door down. And, and who just, are these terrorists? Were these, like, uh, Dude, I forgot uh, what... Muslim? Was this a religious I, thing? I forgot what their 
agenda was, but I was talking to people who were like, yeah, they just came in and just killed everybody in the village and left. Like, that's how they were doing it. Was it some sort of, like, government uh, revolutionaries? or something? Yeah, something like that. It was more just, like, terror. I remember it. the reason wasn't even that good, but... Oh. A Tamil. Reason? Tamil doesn't like... That's what it was. The the place of Tamil hated Sri Lanka for some reason. So. And that's... Is that a place on Sri, on Sri Lanka? No, it's Island? somewhere else. Yeah. Tamil. Yeah. So T-A-M-A. it was some kind of weird thing, but... T-A-M-A-L? Yep. And then I came back and my whole life was gone and I had to start over again in an empty house. I remember that house. That's when I first met you. And that was how many years ago? Three, four. Four, three or four. And that, so that's the house that I was living at. I never got back into that house. That had a big backyard and some funky stuff in there. Yeah. Yep. And you had, uh, you had had one roommate who knew somebody who stole... A Sacramento News Review. Jason Bovey's. Jason Bovey created a Sacramento News Review newspaper box that had a robot head on it. And I had my solo show, which was called Honor Amongst Thieves, in the downtown plaza. Oh, yeah, when that place was called what? uh, Trade Board started it. Danny. Yeah, Exhibit S. Tapigami. And so I was like... She came up to me and she's like, oh, yeah, like I totally stole this robot thing. I just found it one night and I threw it in my friend's car and we drove off. And I was like, I, I my friend made that and I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Because as soon as I said that, she like went white and she's like, oh, I'm like, can I get that back? And she's like, no, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> she like walked away. And I was like, so Man, close. Find out where that thing is right now. I know. It's probably pretty easy to remake. Uh, probably so, but it's a good story. <laughs> right, uh, I want the original. But um, so you said you were hacking stuff. When did you get into tech? What got you into tech? Being was, a solo nerdy kid. Yeah, and my parents didn't like me going out or anything. It was like always this big scary thing, the outside world. So I was they loved it when I was on the computer huh. at like age six and up until I was about nineteen. Okay. That's all I did. How did you learn some of your first things? Was it your own was, ingenuity? No, or? I was I was making little flash animations for school, moving cartoons, and then I was um, school projects. All right, I got an A whenever that was the case in porn. I was trying to hack porn websites when I was really young. And then that turned into like, oh, I'm in this AOL chat room, and let me with this guy. So I'd like log into his computer and like go through his files and... Whoa! Yeah, I would. My my only thing I really did. How did you know to? How do you log into somebody's computer? I, back I don't know. Then? I just figured it out. I had a book or books or something huh. like that. It was a lot easier. How to easier. put in some code and see who's on the web page. Yeah, send at the send time. them a Trojan right, and then you can use that and you get their IP. And I'd pretend to be a chick and do yeah. this, and they're like, "Oh, here's a sexy photo," you know, and send it to them, and then I'd go on their webcam. It was like old man in his 70s you know it was like i'm always like what the f- is this like Ooh. you're not 22 or whatever you said oh. weirdo yeah and so i'd go through and everybody's I'd, lying i'd found found their video games and i'd just delete all the save files for like all of them so they had to start over from scratch <laughs> like that was my only that's pretty innocuous yeah not too bad not um. too bad but still you know if that's like their thing because yeah. it wasn't mine at the time like their whole life is gone. Their uh, whole world. Yeah. I'm going to beat it tonight. I'm glad that I've advanced in this game every day. Otherwise, my life right. would have no I delete meaning. all their porn. Because you used to have to download it back then. And, <laughs> um, yeah, but Sunny, it was I mean, security it's... cameras and other people's computers and um, emails. That was it. And then you do, so you're doing a lot of... Uh, the last four years or something. You said you were working with Iris Skinner. That started like five, six years ago. Right. We did assembly. Uh, And you were doing the lighting stuff? Um, Yeah. So I went in one night with Hans, and they didn't have a lighting guy. So Hans was like, hey, go do the lights. And so I did. And then Ira hired me based off of that, right? But I wasn't really hired. It was more just like, yeah, come in. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I kept coming in, even though I wasn't asked to, and doing it for shows they didn't want me there. (laughs) And eventually, I just started sending them invoices for it, and they would just pay them. And then Ira was trying to get me fired because he wanted his friend Seven in there. 
and this new manager, I would never leave. That was my thing. I would just stay there all the time. And everyone thought it was so weird. They didn't want to talk to me ever like confront me, you know, like, do you actually work here? Like, so, uh, eventually this, you act like you belong in a place. Yeah. This new manager came in and he fired everybody except for me and Ira when people were trying to get rid of me. Right. Ah. And, uh, I was on a ladder and he said that he was really scared because he didn't know anyone else had keys to this place. And I didn't have keys. I just never left. Okay. Right. And so I like climbed down from this ladder that I was lighting with the spot. He was scared because he didn't know anyone else had keys and he thought you had keys. And he's like, how yeah. did you get in here? Yeah. The it, new owner. He's like, who are you? You know, oh, okay. like I remember I. So the new owner comes into this building he's just bought and it's dark and nobody's yeah, there. And except you're, and for you're a, there. A, a ladder that I lost put a light on so one light on this ladder in the middle of the room and i pretended like i was doing more work yeah than i actually was and i come down and i look at him and i'm like are you an actor <laughs> he's like no he's like i'm your new manager i'm like you look like an actor right and that threw this guy for a loop and we became friends after that and he's like i like you i too. told him what ira was doing and he like you know ended up keeping me on for until ace of spades bought it and uh then they bought it, and obviously Iris like knows him, so he's like, "Yeah, my other friend's better than Matt, you know." And I wrote a play about the whole thing, and I performed it after I got fired, huh. with all the staff members except for Ira. Were playing. did you have the ladder scene in there? No, I didn't oh, get yeah. that. It was yeah. just like all the different changes and about all these characters, you know. And at the end, a character that looks like Ira Skinner comes <laughs> up, and he just start stabbing my character in the back over and over blood is going everywhere and he falls to the ground and Ira's expression was just like Ooh. most security guards asked him like what'd you think you know because they all knew uh-huh. and he's like uh i didn't get it he like stormed out you know i was oh. like yeah but then i was fired <laughs> uh where'd you go after that is that was that when you did there was the thing that was uh was it smack paid for that, I think that was like Arts a year Commission. year before that. That happened? And I then, was, yeah. And then I met you when you were doing the thing at 8th and K, that hole in the ground. They walled it off with uh, cardboard <laughs> pieces yeah, of wood. board stuff and let people paint on it. Still yeah. there right now. That's that was my fun. first artistic job, and I never had made a piece of art before that, really. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I was just into the arts at that time, you know? Yeah. And, um... Karina got me that job. She kind of funded the whole Karina thing. Karina Blackbird. Karina. Yeah. I was friends with her through another friend. Yeah, she got me that gig and she put Bovi on too. And I was like, oh, this is a big wall. You know, I remember a lot of people were pissed. Like, why does that guy get the biggest wall? It's huge wall. Here? On the street side. On the street people side. People are looking at it. Yeah. And then uh, Bovi showed up earlier, so he did most of it. And then I only got 300 bucks, so I went and did another illegal one around the corner, which I like. And I did another one down the street that was really big. And That same design? Same ghost guy. Do people need to know about it? People, are, You're not I, trying to keep that secret? I, yeah. Save our city? That's, that's a yeah, good one. that was, they denied that. That was my original thing, glow-in-the-dark paint. Huh. Buildings, all really detailed. And save our city. Like, we can't have Save Our City. That's not there's nothing wrong with this city. Means our city's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and so then it changed and it turned into the light rail thing. And that's an evocative phrase. It's a great thing to say. I it's not thought it was like appropriate. You're saying this place is terrible. I mean, you just every city needs saving. Everything and it's could be cre- creatively here, especially. You know, I had to leave because I was like, man, I'm going to be stuck in this town that I'm not really appreciated in too much, and nobody will ever pay you for anything. Well, what was your what arts could you get paid for uh, at that time? The the video video actually that's the stuff video. you could get paid for video and audio. That's, stuff I started doing video stuff here. Stuff. I was making commercials for like Golden Bear and stuff because I was working on a lot of sets when I was younger, so I knew that's how you know that's how you did things. Yeah, video anything really, but it, everything was like, oh, this cool thing's happening. Oh no, never mind. You know, or like, oh yeah, I can help. No, never mind. You know. Yeah. You'd catch wind of something, somebody would approach you, but then it would never follow through. Never follow through, and you're, like, hoping for that, right? You're, like, so excited. Well, yeah, that's how you make money as doing... Money or just anything, you know? And a lot of of stuff was, like, 
just so disappointing for years. So then I gave up. I started doing other stuff huh. for myself, you know. The uh, you got that cube job? Did you get that kind of? Was that riding on a wave of the Years. smack thing? And mm, not the, the smack, videography but I remember skin? after Exhibit S, I met Clay. Clay was like, "Oh, you do projection art? That's really cool, you know." And then as like year after year, I'm like, "Clay, when are you gonna hire me? When are you gonna hire me?" You know, and he finally did. And I, that was my first piece where I think everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like he can actually do something, not just be like this guy running around town that everybody knows. And they're like, "Whoa, this is actually." You made a big plastic cube with projection lasers in it. Yeah, when you're homeless and you're like living in a basement, you know, and then you make like this piece of fine art, if you would say, that's like beautiful. It like surprised a lot of people in this town that have preconceptions about homeless art or like dirty people, you know. Sure, or just people you might meet in the in the downtown scene which which definitely has a lot of crossover into the arts community and you don't really know some of these people you meet exactly what kind of art they do until you actually see it or you actually get to know which them is so something. hard to get people to look uh, at any of your work here like, yeah you think so oh, i want to yeah. think like musically uh there are a lot of venues and so the market here isn't too overly saturated with bands so there's not really a pay-to-play situation at most all the venues in Sacramento in art. There's also a lot of places where one can show their art for like a month at a time or whatever at places. I don't know, coffee shops. It's maybe not exactly the same. Yeah. And we're talking visual art. So are you saying that maybe there are too many places to show art? So there loses some exclusivity. No, not at all. I think the uh, problem is, is that everybody's seen it. Nobody's buying it and nobody can buy it because we don't have the economy to support that. So it's kind of like the people yeah. with the money to do stuff, they're not doing it yeah. because they have money and they like it and they, um, they're rich for a reason, you know, it's cause they're not buying art. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or they're just, they're, that's a great argument against trickle down economics yeah. People with money keep their money. Yeah. And they're not trying to, they're, you know, they, they're not creative people or anything. They're like, what's, what's the point of buying that piece for, you know, $300, like, yeah something's really got to speak to me for me to buy it yeah you know now it's weird seeing it all get really popular like arts are popular right now thanks to wall and sean doing art hotel yeah well are people buying more would you say is it correlating to people buying? I don't more, know. Which is I what I, I want to think you're saying. Yeah, I don't make art here anymore, so I can't say. I wonder if people because because now it's you know there is the wall building, which is there's just been um, advertisements in our local media for the fact that the wall building exists and that artists can live there. Uh, subsidized housing. There's the gallery there. I think that that and many other things in the downtown arena has catalyzed a lot more development downtown. And coinciding with that, there are you do hear stuff about I don't know the the need for artists to do murals in certain places or yeah. the, insta- the installations. Yeah, that are murals like at the and, arena stuff, and stuff. And it's more popular, and that's like so, awesome. That is awesome. You're seeing a lot more like city subsidized art installations. Yeah, and, yeah, but I'm still um, seeing people get ripped off. Sadly, like yeah. the artists seem to always get the poop end of the stick, that's, you know. And yeah. that's that's like what should be changed because uh, it has a value and it makes this place interesting. Do you think that there's uh, it has to do with uh, the what's the process to get uh, ta- uh, city tax money? I think you just going towards artists. Is I think there you just have like to, a very difficult application process. I don't know. You just or? have to have an in, I guess, and then they have amount of funds that they allocate towards projects. So hmm. it's more important to give those funds to real artists that have been working out here for forever than some guy who came in from out of town and is like, "Oh, I want to do this piece of metal that is shaped like a T or something." You know, yeah. that'll be twenty grand. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, on the West Sac City Commission's, the Art Commission, the installations that I saw the couple and I saw the people that applied for the call for artists that the West Sacramento put out for these art installations. It was largely a lot of -of out-of-town people that are, you know, got got the call. The Broadway VR project that they had, the augmented reality. Hmm. All out-of-town. All out-of-town people, yeah. 
Do you know, are there, have you ever heard from city people that there's something built in where they want to give priority to they local, think it'll, local artists? No. That doesn't happen. No, no. there's yeah. one, Crystal is like awesome, and she works with Mayor Steinberg, who likes the local arts too. So that's like the new thing, is she's always in his ear like, hey, these guys are really good, and they live here. Let's not hire somebody from San Francisco to come do this, or from, you know, L.A. Yeah. So that's like been the most recent thing in the pol- politics of it. Yeah. She's just like down, you know? Yeah. Huh. And you moved down to Los Angeles like three years ago. I did. Yeah. And that was extremely horrible. Huh. And it's actually quite nice now. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad you stuck with it. Me you too. Lot, I know a lot of people that move. I couldn't do that. I couldn't come, come back. back and be like, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. Like, you know, it's all right here. Are you trying to save face? I know Maybe. I talked a lot of crap, but I'll live here, you know, because L.A. is hard. You had dreams when you moved down there like I thought years ago? A little, I, I lived down there when I was 17, so I, I knew what it was all about. Yeah. So when I got back, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, like L.A. artists, you know, could be cool. And they weren't. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I just won't have any friends and I'll just make my own thing and do my own thing, which is nice. Did you meet some musicians down there? Have you met some? I wonder. Uh, I don't you, think so. Maybe you could verge into, you know, because there is crossover in the music community and visual art communities to some degree. Yeah. I wish for you, if you're going to stay living down there for a while, to keep meeting cooler and cooler people. You that's know, that's what I'm trying to do, but it's hard because at least in the industry that I'm doing right now, it's it's competitive and... They want to know you only so they can know what you're doing and what you're about so that they can beat you at it. Because, huh. like, the whole... And what is this in, What is this specific niche? Well, I'm, I'm doing projection mapping, right? So I did a bunch of really big things, like music videos and... What does that mean exactly? Uh, you take a projector and you aim it at something and you use a computer to change the image. Oh, so that it fits whatever contours of the physical object Anything. you're projecting you can play onto? certain clips at certain times. You could do like live graphics, whatever. Does, some of, does sometimes it have to do with uh, you're projecting on, let's say, a, a, a uh, car. Mul- multiple surface Yeah, thing. or a car or like TVs, like a bunch of TVs. So you need or... the image to kind of fit the contours yeah. of the thing you're projecting on. Yeah, and I know how to do that. So it's like, cool, I did, you know, a YouTube Rewind ad, and I did a bunch of commercials and all this different stuff down there, Rihanna video, and I'm meeting people, and they're like, oh, like, that's cool that you did that. And I'm like, yeah, like, it's a big deal to me, you know? That happened, because I'm from Sacramento, and yeah. that doesn't usually happen. And these people, what kind of equipment do you use? Like, how much do they pay you? Like, where are you from? You know, like, I'm like, dude, like... <laughs> screw your tech thing like i don't even care about that you know people are techies like that they're like oh my projector is better and i have a 0.8 lens on my f-stop and you're like yeah who cares well you're you're, yeah i guess that in in the the context of of that situation you're in it proves that it doesn't matter the only person that it matters what exactly what type of uh, tech technical instruments you're using to create the art that somebody's hiring you to make are the people making it you and this guy who's your you know thinks he's your competitor your competition but really what mattered was you getting the job which came through what just kind of happenstance meeting people and I made a fake out a there. fake profile and I was talking to different producers and directors on it who were hitting on her Oh, what, you created a profile of a, a fake Yeah, yeah, the Instagram woman. one. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they're all like, oh, hey, you know. And you had put some of your product, your finished no, art products on none there. None of that. They're just hitting on Because on, it's, it's, it's a, a girl, girl doing it. And how am I supposed to show up and do that? Who so, says they're a videographer and that was their in, in, in the video. In the video, loves them. writing films, you know, and all this stuff. And I could talk nerd with them. So they were like, oh, wow, this girl knows about lenses and, yeah. you know, film stock and all this. Yeah, crazy. So you seduced them initially. I, yeah, it was uh, the, she was the fishing bait, you know. And oh, then yeah. I'd. Catfishing, I'd, they call it. Yeah, I'd yeah. reel them. So then they're like, oh, like, yeah. And I got, you know, my person this is based on and i got him a a job off of it right and i was like cool like you're an actress in this commercial now like, yeah wow like that's crazy how easy that is if you're a girl and 
then she'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, this is a real person. That you, you got to use their likeness in your fake profile. Right. And then they got... You know who it is. I'm not going to say who it is. I think I do. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it, it turned into like, oh, my really broke roommate. He's like super poor and I'm trying to make sure he can pay rent. So I see you do projection mapping. He knows how to do that, too. You mind hiring him? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I need somebody oh. for this date and this date and this date and this date. And I'm like sweet and then they'd call me and be like oh hey how's it going yeah she told me about you like thanks for calling yeah say hi to your female friend for me right um that's interesting so that's how i got all these jobs hustling i had to to, that's the way to do it yeah it seems like that's the way to do it you gotta think of creative ways to get noticed now in la it's so oversaturated like your good friend sean burner i like that guy a lot i know him a little i know him a bit and and uh would you say he 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 hustled a lot I mean, you get no, you get no, you get notoriety because your work is ultimately good. Um, well, yeah, his work is good, and he's really good businessman. So yeah. he, I don't know if he's always part been like would be in the initial solicitation to people. Of yeah, he'll what see what I can do for you. Yeah, and he'll just go off the wall, and he'll be like, now he's at the point where he's so well known. He's like, I don't think he he has to go find work anymore. I think people will hit him up and be like, hey, can you do my tattoo shop or something like that? And he's like, yeah, that'll be, you know, that much money. But I'm bad at They're not like, oh, I have $200. I'm like, all right, I really need it. It's fine. You know, yeah. he's like, no, 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 I can't do it for anything less than this. And he does it in a way where he, it's like, he's still friendly. He's not, he's not being a jerk about it. That's, that's true. You, you, uh, it's business out there. It's good to remember that. Yeah. And yeah. it costs money. And I'm never thinking about like, Oh, they're not going to answer their phone. I'm going to have to wait an hour or I'm going to have to buy all this extra stuff or I'm going to, this is actually a lot of work. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm excited. Everything goes smoothly in my head. There's no problems. I don't have to wait for files from somebody or have them call me 18 times for an hour. You know, yeah, I guess it, it does take a lot of planning to coordinate with people. You have to anticipate what the bad stuff that could happen and arrange to make sure yeah. people know exactly where it always happens. Stuff always happens on a project. But if you're being paid for that, it's not even a problem. You just deal with it, you know? If it's, like, free or really cheap, then you start getting bitter about it, and then you don't even want to do it. <laughs>